You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Welcome to Catholic Chicago. Good morning, and welcome to Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Clarissa Alhintera, and I'll be your host this morning, and we're talking uh, a little bit about this, um, the spread approach to small faith-sharing groups and communities. And so joining me this morning are Elizabeth and uh, Joseph. Good morning. 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 It, it's so good to be with you. Uh, I feel like spring has finally arrived in Chicago. Uh, after who knows how many months of, of winter did we have this year? <laughs> way too many. <laughs> I know. <laughs> way too many indeed. Uh, so before we get going, uh, let's hear a little bit more. If you if you could each introduce yourselves and how you got to your your current role in ministry today. Whoever wants to go first. I'll go first, if that's okay. Um, I am Elizabeth Foss. I'm the Director of Youth Faith Formation for St. Paul VI Parish in Riverside, in North Riverside, Illinois, also including Lions now. Um, how I got here, this is a second career for me. I was actually doing um, an entirely different thing and uh, got a calling, actually. And so I started going back to school to get my master's in theology so that I could become somebody who works with children um, and helps be with them on their faith journey. So um, I work with uh, the religious education program, the school here and the spread program here um, at St. Paul the Sixth, and I love doing that. And I just technically completed my master's on Friday because I just got back from the Holy Land on Friday and that was the last piece I needed to complete it. So I'm very excited to be done with that. Awesome. Well, welcome. Thank you very much, uh, Joseph. I don't know, Joseph or Joe, what, what's your preference? Uh, Joe. Um, yeah, congrats, Elizabeth, on your master's degree. That's awesome. Um, uh, my name is Joe Klein, the executive director of SPREAD for the Archdiocese of Chicago. Um, and what led me, uh, this is a, a, uh, my second career also, I would say, um, uh, I joined uh, the Archdiocese uh, as a director of spread in October of 2020. Uh, uh, prior to joining the Archdiocese, I was working as a business analyst for CME Group, or the Chicago Mercantile Exchange. Um, I first came to, uh, involve, I first got involved in spread in 2008. Uh, they were trying to start spread at my parish. Um, and I thought, well, maybe I can get involved. I was looking to get involved in some kind of ministry. Uh, so they were just trying to start it up. They said no experience was necessary, so I thought I'd give it a shot. Uh, I came down here to the Spread Center uh, in Bridgeport and observed and just fell in love with the ministry and said, hey, I could do this. 
this is this seems like the ministry for me. I, I, I like this approach of being part of a small community of faith. Um, I can, after the observation, I can tell that there were some really authentic relationships being developed in the group. Uh, so I just felt it was for me. Um, and I continued being part of spread and I, I, I started the group in my parish. Uh, a couple of years later, Father Jim McCarthy asked if I would be willing to come on as a trainer uh, and help to train new catechists. So I decided to do that. Um, and then a couple of years later, he uh, invited me to uh, seek out some theological education. Um, so I, I did my undergrad in accounting and information systems, uh, and he suggested I attend CTU uh, and kind of develop my theological background. So I did that. I graduated from CTU in uh, May of 2019 with a MAPS degree. Um, and then uh, the, the following year, the uh, opportunity came up, uh, the job posting went up for being uh, for the director of spread. Uh, so I decided to apply for it. Uh, I was accepted um, in October 2020. I left my job at CME uh, and joined the Archdiocese. And now I hope to continue on uh, the ministry of spread and to continue spreading spread throughout the Archdiocese and the world. Nice. Well, thank you. Welcome to both of you. So I'm vaguely familiar with spread, just having worked in the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation. But could can we just hear a little bit more about, so for our listeners at home who've never heard about spread, so what is spread and, and you know, how long has it been around and uh, just a short kind of history about it? Whoever. <laughs> Um, I can go ahead and jump in. Um, SPREAD is special religious development, and it is uh, designed for children and adults who have special needs. Um, so it, it is the whole program is designed to help those children and adults come to know Christ and to receive their sacraments, uh, you know, in, in their own time. And it is it has a beautiful model of working one-on-one -on -one with students and um, works really well to help students really come to know Christ. And I think that for many of the catechists who are involved with the SPREAD program, they, um, I think they experience probably even more growth in their faith than some of our students sometimes because of just this wonderful model of one-on-one -on -one, um, and, and being with a student and traveling with a student on their faith formation. So this program, in my opinion, at least how it works in our parish and how I think this is a great model for how SPREAD should work, it works in tandem with the religious education program. So with those students who are coming um, from public schools to receive religious education, but it also works with our school program. So those students who attend the Catholic school at our parish um, as far as we look at it, it's sort of our three-pronged approach to youth faith formation. So we have our religious education for students in public school. We have our uh, school where we have the children are receiving their faith formation through regular classes. And then we have our spread program where children are receiving their faith formation in this very special model. And I think what's great about this model is they meet about every other week and um, the first part of their class is a very calm part of class. And they have we have all of these wonderful things that they can work with to sort of just acclimate to the climate, um, kind of get in tune with uh, the rest of the class and just um, relax a little bit as they start the program. 
And then we move into um, our chapel where we have the faith sharing portion of the program. And um, during that during that portion, that's when we bring them to the word. There's always um, some Bible reading and some singing and some wonderful time there. And then the last piece of the program um, is what we call agape. And that part of the program is where we share a meal together. And it can be very simple, simple like snacks, or sometimes it's a little more complicated depending on what time of year it is and what people are doing. But um, it's a wonderful program where um, our families with children with special needs or siblings with special needs um, can really create their own faith community um, within the parish. And I think it's really great. And from there, I'll turn it over to Joe because Joe can give you a little more of the, um, you know, when it was founded and how many and, and all the good facts. <laughs> Sounds good. Yes. And I, I, I apologize. Peter crashed. <laughs> and then I'm back up and running now. Um, but um, so Spread was founded in, in the 1960s by Father Jim McCarthy. Uh, he was the associate director of the CCD office. Um, and while he was the associate director of the office, he had a whole file of um, requests from parents with people with intellectual and developmental disabilities um, asking for sacramental access. So the sacrament of First Communion and Confirmation was being denied. Um, and there was no faith formation for people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Father Jim himself had a brother with, uh, his younger brother had intellectual and developmental disabilities. Uh, and he knew uh, firsthand that there was nothing available uh, to his brother uh, and that his brother had no faith formation growing up. So uh, from there, they decided to do some research. So Father Jim wasn't really sure what to do. Uh, he knew that this was an issue, that he wanted to provide faith formation with people with intellectual and developmental disability, but he just wasn't sure how to go about it. Uh, so he started to research and to look into uh, different methods. Uh, he at first tried to create his own catechesis um, uh, using uh, the Sunday Gospel and uh, bringing adults together. Uh, he, also re he also worked with different catechisms uh, that had been developed. Uh, and was trying to incorporate them into a classroom with people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Uh, none of those seemed to be working very well. Uh, so he, in part of his research, he came across um, some of the work of Father Eucharistic Paulus out of Sherbrooke, France, and Father Jean Meigny in Lyon, uh, I'm sorry, Sherbrooke, Canada, and Father Jean Meigny in Lyon, France. Um, so uh, Father uh, Eucharistic Paulus was uh, studying um, he was writing his dissertation on, uh, on if our friends with intellectual and developmental disabilities were capable of faith, uh, which he successfully argued that they were. And then uh, Father Jean Meigny had what uh, developed the method Beeve. Uh, so he developed his method of how to provide faith formation with people with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Uh, so he, he, brought, he put together this, this method that incorporated both the human experience the liturgical experience, a biblical evocation, and a personal message. Um, and that's where Father Jim, when he, uh, Father Jim and Sister Mary Therese when, and Sister Sue, when they saw this uh, particular method, um, they were amazed. Uh, they brought Father Jean Meigny and Father uh, Duke Paulus here to Chicago. They did a number of years studying. Uh, they worked with a study group uh, to put this all together. Um, and that's, that's pretty much how Spread got started. Um, on top of that, they decided to incorporate, uh, as uh, Elizabeth was, was describing, a preparation process uh, based loosely in the Montessori method um, to help our friends prepare themselves 
and to develop it, to, to prepare themselves to enter into our celebration room uh, and to fully grasp the catech catechesis. Um, so from then, uh, we're here, uh, we've grown here in the Archdiocese of Chicago. Uh, we currently have 114 groups uh, spread, commu or spread communities throughout the Archdiocese of Chicago, and we've expanded to several dioceses around the United States and the world. Uh, one of our biggest contingencies uh, is in uh, Scotland. Um, so people have come to Chicago, have learned about spread, and are bringing it back to their diocese and trying to establish spread communities there. Uh, but the idea of spread is that we're developing relationships with people. Uh, so we're not necessarily teaching uh, in the historic way of religious ed, but really developing those relationships with our friends with intellectual development and disabilities and making them aware of God's presence within their life, um, using um, both their human experience, their liturgical experience, uh, and the biblical education. Wow. Yeah, no, thank you so much. That was a, a wonderful, complete picture. We're going to go ahead and take our first break, and then we'll come right back in and learn more about the methodology. Thank you. spending a week on the tranquil grounds of the University of St. Mary of the Lake where you can pray, reflect, and learn from the rich treasures of the Bible. An invitation for all to experience the annual Summer Scripture Conference, June 19th to 24th, might just be for you. Notable scripture scholars from across the United States will present this year's program, focusing on interpreting scripture in the church. The five presenters will share on a variety of topics, including interpreting scripture and the Vatican II documents, different Christian denominations and how they differ in perspectives on scripture, the Bible and politics in America today, what scripture says about children, how to use scripture in prayer, and interpreting scripture for the life and mission of the church. For registration and conference package information, visit our website at www.usml.edu slash summerscripture or call 847-837-4575. This year's conference will be both in-person and virtual. I feel special. <laughs> I feel great. I got good grades. We've seen a huge surge in our kids now meeting or exceeding grade level. Come check us out. You may have never thought we were an option before. Catholic Charities has had the privilege of helping people in need in Cook and Lake County for more than 100 years. We would like to take this opportunity to thank our frontline workers 
who despite the unprecedented challenges of the past two years, continue to excel at their jobs every day. From the warehouse staff members who pack boxes of nutritious foods for low-income seniors, to the dedicated WIC employees who have remained open for families with children under the age of five, to our volunteers and restaurant partners who ensure that meals are available for those experiencing hunger, to our service coordinators and our professional counselors who continue their vital work in innovative ways, to our food pantry staff and to all those who work at Catholic Charities Call Center, finding solutions for every person who reaches out to us for help. Charity is at the heart of all you do, and we salute you. Good morning, and we're back with Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Clarissa Alhantara, and I'm your host this morning. And we have been talking a little bit about spread, and we've been talking with Joe and Elizabeth about spread, how long it's been around for, and, and a little bit. Now we're going to kind of dive into, I'm very, very curious, a, a lot of what I heard right before the break um, relationship, right? We Both of you in kind of explaining what spread is and, and what drew you to spread was that was the word relationship. And so I'm very curious, you know, when we talk about relationship and especially in the communities and the one-on-one -on -one intentionality, you know, what is it that makes this so different? Because you, because I, having worked in ministry, I can definitely say everything is rooted in relationship, right? Our relationship with the Eucharist, our relationship with our community, our parish, but drum roll, like, so what, Tell, tell us, tell us what makes this more, you know, a very unique and intentional process. Um, okay, I'll take a shot. Um, um, so we, our goal of spread is to form these small communities of faith. Uh, so we usually have a small community of faith of adult catechists, um, usually uh, no more than eight adult catechists. And then once we have that solid foundation of adult catechists, we welcome people with intellectual and developmental disabilities into that community. Uh, and really help them to develop uh, that sense of community and that sense of the sacred. Uh, so when it, it's a little bit different. I mean, it, this is my first time being, when I joined Spread, it was my first time being part of a small community of faith, um, which is made up, again, of eight catechists and six friends. Um, and I've been working with my same community. I have an adult group, so we are lifelong, for, uh, Spread is lifelong formation. Uh, so those that are involved in Spread can stay with us throughout their entire life. Uh, they don't leave us after they are confirmed, uh, but they continue on and we will always have a group available to them uh, throughout the Archdiocese. Um, but the idea here is that we, we grow together. So I've actually been growing with my friends for the last 12 years. Uh, we've actually had the uh, pretty much the same solid group of friends. Uh, we've lost two of our friends, one to death and one to uh, being uh, moving group homes. Um, but within this small community of faith, it's just amazing how you can really uh, establish genuine, authentic relationships where people are, uh, we're always grateful to be with each other. Um, there, you know, there are some times when you, you're kind of like, you were maybe a little groggy that day. I'm driving down the Dan Ryan to go to my group um, and I just don't feel like it. But once I'm there, uh, it's a whole new experience to see the way all of our friends welcome each other, welcome us. 
Um, there's never, it's, it's, it's a community of equals to say the least. I mean, I'm in a group with both high functioning friends and low functioning friends, and there is no judgment, uh, which is always amazing from our high functioning friends and low functioning friends. They all feel like they're all part of the same community and treat each other as equals. Uh, the other thing and the other powerful thing uh, that from, from spread is that our friends with the intellectual development disabilities, uh, we have a, a couple of my friends have autism. Uh, they have other, uh, some have, have other issues, uh, but uh, with our friends, they like coming to spread. In fact, most of my parents, especially with the adult group, said spread is the only uh, uh, program outside of their house that they are involved in. Uh, in some in some cases, it's the only program they want to be involved in. Uh, my parents keep telling me that they don't force their children to come to spread, but they want to come to spread. And then one uh, one quick antidote here: uh, uh, one of our friends, I know some of our friends have been really struggling through the pandemic, mm -hmm. and one of our friends in particular never wanted to leave the house. He wouldn't leave the house even to go for a walk outside. Uh, he kind of regressed, uh, but the only thing, and they could try to get him to go to the doctor, they couldn't get him to go to the doctor. However, his mom said, because she was worried, because we, we, we were restarting our spread group, and she said, well, Joe, I don't know if he's going to leave the house. Um, but she said, I'll try. And as soon as she told Patrick that, hey, Patrick, we're going to go to spread today, he actually walked himself outside and got in the car. And that was two hours before our session started. <laughs> so she was trying to prepare him, but he was already ready to go. Hmm. So it was obviously from that experience that they want to be there. They want to be part of this community and they see value in that community. I would agree. And I think that, um, you know, working with all of our students in our parish, you know, you can get in the school and you can get in a religious education program and you can get some kids who are not interested in being there or maybe are having an off day. But in my experience, when I have been greeting people for the spread program and having our friends come in, they are full of joy and it's contagious. It's, it's contagious. Their faith is contagious. Their joy is contagious. And um, watching them express that joy is contagious. It's it's a beautiful part of the program. And as Joe was saying, a lot of our catechists work one-on-one -on -one with a student for years in a row. So this, this friend that they work with isn't just, you know, somebody that they see every other week and, you know, maybe they get to know each other's names. They become part of the family. Mm -hmm. You have a relationship. They talk on the phone with the parents. Um, sometimes, you know, you have people who are going to birthday parties and things like that because this person really is accompanying them on their faith journey and is a really important part of their life. And this is a model that's very different from you know, religious education and the school because this is somebody who, who walks with them and stays with them for years at a time and really establishes a beautiful relationship that lasts forever. I mean, I have students at the end of the year that I say, oh, hey, who was your catechist this year? And they're like, I I don't know. I can't tell you. But that's never the case in the spread program because this person becomes a friend and um, supports the family, works with the whole family, supports and not just supporting the student, um, and really grows together in faith. And I think that the other model that's really neat about spread is that the catechists, that, that group of eight catechists, becomes very, very close. In the off weeks where they are not um, teaching class or meeting with their friends, 
they have a wonderful faith sharing program that they work on together. And um, it's very much a small group model. So, you know, they have these men and women that they are sharing their faith with. And then as they grow in their faith, they're sharing that with their friends in the program. And the friends are sharing their faith with the catechists as well. I think um, one of the things that always comes to mind with the spread program is that, you know, Christ says, you need to come to me as a child. And so for some of our students that have these developmental delays, it's actually an asset for them as they are learning their faith and being a part of this because, you know, the pessimism and the skepticism and, and the things like that that start to weigh on us as we age doesn't often affect these children and adults in the same way. And so that simple joy they have in their faith and that that real special relationship they have with Christ really shines through and is inspirational for anybody who gets to be with them. Wow. That's really awesome. That's really, really beautiful, too, in, in terms of when we talk about intentionality and relationship. And I, I also heard, you know, working with the whole family and, and moms and dads or caregivers and grownups are very involved. And I'm curious, you know, considering there's no age limit, like so in traditional religious education, you know, you might age, age out, you know, eighth grade and then junior high and then high school. And so, I mean, what are the ranges that you might see? And like, how early do they start coming? Do your friends start coming to spread and up until, I don't know, what's it look like yeah. on the upper end? So we have four different age groups. So we try to place all of our groups, our, all of our friends into age appropriate groups. Uh, so our first group, we usually start at six, six years old. Uh, so we have a six to 10 group, and then we have an 11 to 16 group, a 17 to 21, and then an adult group, 22 and older. Um, with the idea is that we don't want to put uh, a six-year-old with a 35-year-old. Uh, we, we draw a lot from life experiences, uh, and we know that a six-year-old has totally different life experiences than a 35-year-old. So we try to respect that chronolo chronological age and place them into age-appropriate groups. Um, and then they can continue on. Usually, you know, after 22, they're all usually, they've all graduated from high school, and they're all either in workshop, living in group homes, or living with their families. So uh, for the most part, they all have very similar life experiences. Um, but, uh, and then with the child, we try to keep them, you know, as, you know, the, the, the elementary, uh, you know, maybe kindergarten through uh, third, third, fourth grade, and then, uh, you know, uh, adolescent or young adults, um, they're adolescents, so when they're growing into the teenage years, because they're going through their own uh, types of changes during those times, uh, and uh, from and, and kind of um, transitioning from the schools, from their elementary to the high school, and then uh, with the 17 to 21, they'll be finishing up their education uh, and transitioning into the adulthood, uh, adult life or life after their high school experience. Uh, so we, we try from there to prepare them uh, and part of our sessions for those transitions uh, and to put their faith in God and know that God is with them on their journey as things continue to change. Uh, they might be getting, you know, uh, some of our friends, they might be moving into group homes uh, and have new care care caretakers. Uh, so through these life experiences, but we're, we're, all, we're about journeying with them. We're accompanying, as Elizabeth pointed out, we are accompanying them on their faith journey. Uh, and they, and then in turn, they accompany us on our own faith journey. Uh, so we, you know, we, uh, those are our different age groups. And uh, the other thing I just want to add is we do spend time 
really, again, as, as you kind of point out, getting to know the families. Mm -hmm. We want to get to know the individual person. So we spend a lot of time uh, before each session, we call the families, see how our friends are doing. Uh, we kind of go over the session, what we're going to be you know, speaking about, what the session is going to revolve around. Uh, and they kind of give us ideas on how we can evoke those life experiences from our friends. Wow, that's a lot of beautiful intentionality. Um, we're going to go ahead and take a quick break, and then um, we'll come back and hear a little bit more. Uh, thank you so much. that Catholic Charities accepts car donations? If you're ready to free up space in your garage and put a stop to all those expenses that go along with owning a car, we will gratefully accept your donation, whether the car is running or not. You choose a pickup time that is convenient for you, and we will make the donation as easy as possible free of charge. You'll receive a charitable donation receipt as well. We accept all types of vehicles nationwide, and you will know that your donation is made to Catholic Charities, an agency you can trust. To learn more about donating your car, call 877-786-4483. That's 877-786-4483. Thank you. I am a seminarian. The church needs compassionate and well-trained priests to help guide each of us through life. What inspires me, what draws me always to the priesthood is continue to see priests be a beacon of hope for other people. You can play a part in the education of these young men as they prepare for a life of service to others. I want to be that beacon of hope too, and it's, it sets my heart on fire. To support our seminarians, make your gift at archchicago.org slash seminarianfund or call 312-534-7959. We are hiring. Catholic Charities of the Archdiocese of Chicago is looking for mission-driven individuals who want to help make a positive difference in the lives of people in need throughout Cook and Lake Counties. Be part of a diverse, talented team of professionals in the largest human services organization in the Midwest. We are dedicated to helping people chart a more stable, happier future for themselves, and we accompany anyone in need, regardless of faith, gender, race, or ethnicity. Competitive salaries and generous benefits add to the satisfaction you'll have every day knowing that you're helping us amplify our impact in Chicago. To see our list of employment opportunities, visit catholiccharities.net. The cemetery ministry is a core ministry of our Catholic faith tied to the corporal works of mercy. It's comforting to know that our Catholic cemeteries are caring for the remains of our loved ones awaiting the resurrection. There are 44 Archdiocese of Chicago Catholic cemeteries willing to help you in your time of loss. 
Call 708-449-6100 or visit catholiccemeterychicago.org. Catholic Cemeteries, serving the Catholic community since 1837. You're listening to Catholic Chicago. Ahead, the Archdiocese of Chicago brings you programs about the people, events, and issues that touch our lives. Thanks for letting us be part of your morning. Now again, Catholic Chicago. morning and we're back with Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Clarissa Alhintera and I'm your host this morning and we've been talking with Elizabeth and Joe about spread in the intentionality, the relationships, the community, you know, how long it's been around for. And so a question we like to ask our guests because this is the Lifelong Journey show, <laughs> um, where have you encountered Christ? You know, where's a, a really you know, personal story that, you know, either as a volunteer or, you know, in kind of a professional capacity, you know, where have you seen Jesus among your friends or in, in the community? For both of you, whoever wants to go. You, know, you want me to start? Yeah, go ahead, start. Okay. Um, well, I always tell my students that I encounter God a lot in nature. So when I'm out in nature, those are my, my best times for encountering God. But I think that my, you know, my, one of my best encounters uh, is working with the students and I was working with a particular student and um, she came into me and she said, I do not want to make my confirmation. I don't believe in what this stuff is. And I want you to talk to my mom and convince her that it's okay, that I do not need to make my confirmation. And I said, okay, well, why don't we meet? Why don't we have a discussion? Um, and then we'll see, we'll see how that discussion goes. And then we'll talk to your mom. And um, she came in and met with me and we, you know, I, I asked her, what are, you know, what are your misgivings? What are your things that you are not sure about the faith? And we talked through them and I said out right out front, I am not going to try and convince you to be confirmed. You need to decide that for yourself. But I want to talk to you. I want to know where, you know, the things you say you don't believe where are you on those things? And um, so we had a great conversation about our Catholic faith and about faith in general. And, um, you know, I thought it went well um, and she had a really good time. And, um, you know, I said, I would be happy to meet with her some more. And then I would talk to her, mo her mom and say, you know, it does need to be a decision of the students to be confirmed. And her mom called me a couple of days later and said, well, I don't know what you said to her or what you did, but she has completely changed her tune. She is now, you know, saying that she loves being Catholic. She loves her faith. And um, honestly, I said, said to the mom, I don't know what I said either. I think that it was just the Holy Spirit working and working on her. And she just needed a little time to kind of talk through what she was going through, but watching um, a child get it, watching a child go from, this is something that my parents believe in, my parents do, or my grandparents or somebody like that, to this is my faith. This is who I am as a Catholic person. Um, that 
that gets me every single time. That's beautiful. Joe? Um, for me, uh, I've, uh, two stories. So one is um, when I first got started in spread on my very first night, you know, I mean, I was nervous. I wasn't sure when we were starting spread at our parish in Cajun. I uh, was very nervous. I wasn't really sure how this was going to go. I didn't know if we were going to be accepted from it by our friends. Uh, a lot of anxiety uh, going through me. Um, and I remember uh, when our friends first walked in um, and we got we got to meet them. We, we briefly met them uh, during their home visits. Uh, but this is the first time they were all coming together and they're going to meet some of our catechists. Um, and I remember one of our friends coming, uh, walking into the room and actually walking up to me and grabbing my hand and bring me back to the table uh, to have me sit down. So, because I wasn't sure we were, we were figuring out who's going to be whose friend and all that. Uh, but that was affirmation to me that I was in the right spot. That, I mean, that was, I was being accepted by my, you know, by our friends, um, that, that I was, I was there and, um, I was in the right. I was. I was called. I was. I was in the place where I was supposed to be, and this ministry was indeed for me, um, and uh, to be accepted. Uh, and then the other, um, the other uh, moment where I've come, I've come to you know experience God was uh, through another one of our friends um, who was suffering from dementia. And I remember his mom was actually speaking with my mom uh, at lunch one day, and he was declining. He got put into a, a, a home. He was declining very rapidly. Um, my mom, his mom was telling my mom at lunch one day um, that, you know, uh, Peter uh, was, you know, he was declining, he was losing his memory, he was starting to not know who his family members were, uh, but there are two things he kept asking the staff, and he kept asking the staff, how is Mike Dicka, and how is Joe Kwan? Um, and it just meant a lot to me that of all the things he was calling, all the things he was remembering, that I... Uh, was one I was you know I was on the same line as Mike Dicka uh, <laughs> uh, to remember, uh, but that he was recalling that and that there were some strong relationships. And again, that was one of those moments of affirmation that I was in the right ministry and working with the right people, and that I was called to be part of this ministry. Wow! Thank you so much. Those are both those are really um, wonderful affirming stories and probably very unexpected ways that that Jesus showed up for, for you, for both of you. Um, so what, when we talk about, you know, the scripture and scripture story, and is there like a line or a favorite story that you have um, in relation to the spread ministry? You know, like where in the Bible, you know, like, yes, this is, this is the one. Um, I think for me, and this is, this is a passage of the Bible that I love, regardless, and I think it applies to everything, but John 1, 5, where it says the light shines in the darkness and the darkness could not overcome it. I think that, um, especially when we're looking at the spread program, I think we are looking at families that um, often feel some darkness, often feel isolated, um, feel, you know, at times hopelessness. Of course, they feel joy. Um, but this is, it's not an easy path. It is not an easy path, um, for a lot of these families. And I think, I think that image of the light shining in the darkness and knowing that the darkness cannot overcome. So those bad days, those off days that you have, um, 
those those will never win out. And we know that um, Christ has defeated the darkness as the light. So knowing that those dark days, those um, trying times, those are not the days that went out. The days of joy, um, the experiences that you have, those moments of joy that you have, those are the ones that win. And, um, you know, and even a little bit further, being able to be that light for these families and for our friends to, um, you know, share that light that we have and they share their light with us. Um, being a part of that, you know, force for good uh, really speaks to me. Um, as I said, it speaks to me in all areas of my life, but it really does speak to me um, in this area, being able to be a part of the light and making sure, you know, that we're keeping the darkness at bay. Thank you. Yeah, for me, uh, one thing that uh, I was reading, uh, if you've been reading for Telly Tutsi, Pope Francis has mentioned several, you know, he's written, he's written a lot about people with disabilities. Um, and in Fratelli Tutti, he, he, he uh, refers to them as the hidden exiles that are struggling, you know, and a lot of times they are discriminated because they never get that sense of belonging. Um, and one story that just speaks to me, and it's the Samaritan woman at the well. Um, here's a woman who's, who's, you know, kind of an outcast of her society, doesn't feel like she belongs, going to the well in the midday by herself. Um, and a lot of our friends are in similar positions. They don't feel like they belong. Yet Christ still reached out, reaches out to them, um, and it's that woman at the well that becomes the first evangelizer, that gets transformed by her uh, experience with Jesus, that goes back to the village. Someone that we least expected. Not, nobody was thinking that a Samaritan woman, uh, with her background, would be the one that was was that was was going to be called to evangelize people in Samaria. Yet that's exactly what she did. Um, and then a lot of times people overlook our friends with intellectual and developmental disabilities um, for, for many reasons. They either they don't, they don't think they're there uh, um, or they don't think they have anything to offer, uh, but they do want to belong. And they can be uh, those evangelizing agents that help us to encounter Christ and to again, can bring Christ to others through their joy and their experiences. And that's what I found when working with my friends with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Um, I you know, it's kind of, uh, I like to say that they've actually done more for me than I've done for them. But it, it just relates well to me, to the, to, to the woman at the well. That sometimes, you know, our, our friends, they're like the woman is a hidden exile of the society, just struggling to belong. Um, and they are the ones that can in turn help us to evangelize some of the, the most marginalized members of our society. Yeah, no, Joe, I, I feel yeah. like in both. Oh, sorry, oh, no, 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 go ahead. No, go ahead. Well, no, I was just going to say, I think, and you and I were kind of chatting a little bit about this before we started. Um, you know, for people who are listening at home, think about um, when you've been at mass and there's been a child there who's making a lot of noise and you get a little frustrated because maybe you can't hear the homily that well. Um, and, you know, you always see that parent, then usually that parent like scrambles and tries to take the child out of uh, church, maybe goes in the back of church, maybe takes them outside. Um, now I want you to think about this who would love to bring their whole family to mass, but maybe has a child that would be noisy or maybe a little distracting during mass and knows that there are people that are out there that would be thinking, why are you bringing them to mass when you know that they will 
be distracting for others or maybe be disruptive at times. And I think that it's really important for us to, as Catholics to make sure that everyone feels a sense of belonging, you know, not just in the spread classroom where I think we're doing a really great job of that, a really great job of that, but also coming to mass on the weekends. I think a lot of our families don't feel comfortable coming to mass on the weekends and don't feel a sense of belonging within the larger parish because maybe they have a child that, um, you know, we have children that have, you know, like uh, continued movements or maybe make um, noises throughout and they don't feel comfortable bringing that child to mass because of what other people, the reaction of other people. And so um, I think, you know, as we talk about belonging, it's also important to make sure that we understand that we need to make our places of worship and those and our liturgies welcoming and belonging for all of our families. And yes, there's going to be noisy children and yes, there's going to be distractions, but exactly as Joe said, we are talking about people here who may be the unlikely evangelizers, um, but have something to offer to our parishes, something beautiful to offer to our parishes, not just within a spread group, but to the wider parish too. And um, when Joe was talking about the woman at the well and being the unlikely evangelizer, I think that that works not just in a spread classroom, but that works in our larger parishes and um, working towards making sure, you know, we haven't talked about the spread masses, but um, I can let Joe talk a little bit about that because those are beautiful, but making sure that our families feel like, not that they're just welcome to attend, but that they belong at our parishes and they belong at our liturgies. Um, I think that's something we really need to work towards. Well, yeah, let's definitely, we're gonna take a quick break and then we'll come back and we'll kind of break open a little bit more of that. spending a week on the tranquil grounds of the University of St. Mary the Lake where you can pray, reflect, and learn from the rich treasures of the Bible. An invitation for all to experience the annual Summer Scripture Conference, June 19th to 24th, might just be for you. Notable Scripture scholars from across the United States will present this year's program, focusing on interpreting Scripture in the Church. The five presenters will share on a variety of topics, including interpreting scripture and the Vatican II documents, different Christian denominations and how they differ in perspectives on scripture, the Bible and politics in America today, what scripture says about children, how to use scripture in prayer, 
and interpreting scripture for the life and mission of the church. For registration and conference package information, visit our website at www.usml.edu slash summer scripture or call 847-837-4575. This year's conference will be both in person and virtual. at the Most Blessed Trinity Parish Food Pantry in Waukegan. And here we uh, care for people in need. There was definitely an uptick in the needs for services. We doubled our volume after COVID hit. From servicing about 250 families a week to about 500 a week. We supply bread, tortillas, vegetables, milk, cheese, butter, uh, proteins, fish, chicken, eggs. Well, the annual Catholic Appeal has been a tremendous help to us, especially over the past year and a half. Without the annual Catholic Appeal, we might have to close our doors. Um, our parish is the largest one in the archdiocese, but it's very poor. We think about food and we think about nourishment, but we also nourish the soul, provide that connection to humanity. The good works here are made possible through the annual Catholic Appeal. Make your gift at annualcatholicappeal.com. Ancestry and genealogy are more important every day. People all over the world are wanting to learn more about their family heritage for personal and for health reasons. At Catholic Charities, we are hearing from adults who lived for a brief time at St. Vincent's Orphanage, the wonderful life-affirming agency that operated out of our headquarters for 91 years, serving thousands of women, children, and families until it closed in 1972. Our post-adoption services help adults who want to learn more about their experience at St. Vincent's. Our compassionate staff members provide whatever family background information they can offer, along with support and reunion services. To learn more, call 312-655-7093. That's 312-655-7093. The spirit of St. Vincent's lives on in the inspiring stories that continue to emerge today. and we're back with Lifelong Journey, a radio program hosted by the Office of Lifelong Faith Formation in the Archdiocese of Chicago. My name is Clarissa Alhantara, and I'm joined uh, by Elizabeth and Joseph, or Joe, and we've been talking about spread and um, spread small faith communities, inclusion, in experiencing Jesus, the other, uh, vulnerability, all those good things that, that our church loves to kind of encourage us on. And so we don't have, we've got less than 10 minutes left um, and so I wanted to hear a little bit more about the spread masses. Uh, tell us a little bit more about that. And then, um, yeah, we'll start there. Sure. Um, one, <clears throat> so as uh, Elizabeth correctly pointed out, uh, spread is not, we have a, a two-pronged goal. Our goal is to provide spiritual nourishment 
and faith formation of people's intellectual and developmental disabilities. And we also want to foster that sense of belonging within the larger life of the parish and to help our friends uh, integrate into the liturgical life of the parish. So our whole goal is to help our friends to belong in the larger parish community. Um, and because sometimes our friends, you know, going into a big, you know, into a, the, the church setting might be a lot for them, but maybe throughout uh, by participating in the, the spread ministry and becoming familiar with a small community of faith, they can slowly begin to feel more comfortable uh, be, being part of the larger community. And the other benefit of being part of the small community of faith is that we can deepen uh, uh, and enter fully, more fully into the mystery that they experience at the liturgy within our small community of faith. Um, but with that said, uh, we do have, I, um, here at the Spread Center, uh, we've kind of, uh, because of the pandemic, things have been closed down, but hopefully in the fall, we'll begin again with our uh, uh, monthly liturgies, uh, which we call their, our monthly Spread Family Liturgies uh, for all of our friends with intellectual and developmental disabilities. Uh, we have those on the first Sunday of every month uh, from October until May. Uh, and a lot of our spread liturgies, we just make some uh, minor ad adaptations uh, to help our friends more fully participate into the into the in the, in the liturgy. Uh, one of the, the biggest uh, adaptations is uh, gesturing. Uh, so one of the things we do is we do some gestures to the readings uh, just to help them in a different way to intake uh, the proclamation of the word. Um, but not only do we celebrate great spread, spread uh, liturgies here at the Spread Center, uh, we usually, uh, the, we, we consider them to be a model, a model that should be brought out to the parishes. So we have a number of parishes throughout the Archdiocese of Chicago that celebrate spread family liturgies at their own parish, with their own parish communities. Uh, and they, and in many ways, they welcome all the local spread communities together uh, to celebrate with them. Uh, so it helps to bring awareness of that there are people with intellectual developmental disabilities within our parish community, and, and it further helps uh, to develop that sense of belonging within the parish life. I know my own local parish, uh, when we were doing spread liturgies, it really opened the eyes to many of the parishioners. Uh, for what most of them didn't even know that they're, you know, that we had this ministry at the parish, um, but they were uh, they were they were moved by what they experienced. Um, and they were just, uh, and they always send me emails, when's the next spread liturgy going to be? Uh, so it's something that they find very valuable uh, and they feel very welcome to come and participate in our, in this spread uh, um, uh, liturgies. Thank you. And I think Liz Elizabeth is having a liturgy, uh, upcoming liturgy at her parish, if I'm not mistaken. Yes, we have one coming up in May. Um, we have a student who is receiving first communion and confirmation and, um, you know, one of the things that I think is beautiful about the SPREAD program is, you know, first, as you were talking about the whole graduation from faith formation that we see, um, we, we're always interested in creating a lifelong program. And with SPREAD, you truly have that. Yes, there is catechesis leading up to those sacraments, but a lot of the catechesis happens after the sacrament is received. So now that you have felt the Holy Spirit come to you in confirmation and you have received Christ for the first time, let's talk about that. Let's talk about how that feels. Let's talk about what you did. Let's talk about how that applies to your life. And um, it's a beautiful model. It really is a lifelong model. And, um, you know, so in a lot of ways, Fred's got it figured out. Right? <laughs> The rest of us, what the rest of us are trying to do with our religious education programs 
and faith formation programs Fred has already accomplished. Um, and you know, I'm just gonna I'm just gonna say this that I think um, you know Joe and I were also talking about how you know a lot of times pastors get approached and say you know oh we should have a spread program, and the pastor will often respond well we don't have any children with special needs, not in this parish, and um, which is ridiculous. <laughs> I mean, there children with special needs are everywhere, and I think that um, I personally believe that every parish needs a spread program, every single one, because I think that sends a strong message as to who we are as Catholics. You know, as Catholics, we teach that um, everybody is made in the image and likeness of God, and that every pregnancy is a gift from God. We cannot teach that and then sit there and say, oh, but we have a whole group over here that won't receive the sacraments, that, you know, doesn't, doesn't have to come to church. We don't, we don't need them in church. You can't say that. You have to have both. You have to have, you have to treasure every life and you have to honor that within our parishes. And I think that every parish having a spread program, we can find, you know, Joe will tell you, we have huge waiting lists, yeah. children who want to be in the spread program and we just don't have enough spots. Again, because of this small group model, we have huge waiting lists of families that would like their children to participate in spread. And that's not even with a ton of advertising or publicity. We have, we have the desire out there. We have families that want this for their families. You know, I have a family um, that just started in the spread program and they weren't letting their other children go to religious education because their child was special needs. They didn't think there was an opportunity for their child with special needs. And so now that their child with special needs is involved in the spread program, the rest of their children are involved in religious education. And I know they're not the only family out there. They're not the only family that feels this way. And I think that we as a church need to make sure that those families that have children, siblings with special needs, we need to make sure that they know that they are welcome in our Catholic church. They belong in our Catholic church. They belong in formation. They, they need to receive the sacraments and they should receive the sacraments. We need to do a much better job of making sure that these families belong in our parishes, not just are tolerated in our parishes sure. or come once in a while in our parishes, yeah. but belong here. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. The, um, this has been a, a very wonderful program, uh, a very uh, wonderful opportunity to kind of learn so much. Thank you, Elizabeth. Thank you, Joe. Uh, it's been a wonderful opportunity. Enjoy the rest of your week. Take care. Join us every Monday through Friday at this time for Catholic Chicago. You can stream our programs live or listen to past programs by visiting our website, archchicago.org, and clicking on Radio TV. And please connect with Catholic Chicago on social media.